It's Stoner, a show about creative, productive people and weed. This week on the show, I've got the two founders of Dope Girl Zine, which is a zine out of Atlanta uh, dedicated to women and weed. If you need to get in touch with me, it's hi at stoner.co. Maybe you'd like to sponsor the show. A few people sign up for that. Thanks to them. We have a new show up every Tuesday. Rachel Hartman and Becca Grimm, you are both proprietors of uh, Dope Girl Zine. Is that uh, is that correct? That's right. Tell me a little bit about what Dope Girl Zine is and what you both do on it. So basically, Rachel and I used to work together at the Alt Weekly in Atlanta, and she worked in the, worked in the design department, and I worked in editorial, and we just kind of wanted to collaborate on something together. So we thought a little bit about it. And we're wondering why there wasn't more of a feminine presence in like the marijuana community. And so we wanted to create a recurring publication that would capture that, like the femininity in marijuana culture, as well as just sort of kind of go against the idea of the burnout culture, just to sort of show that we knew so many badass women and female identifying people that smoked weed, but it didn't take over their life. So uh, I want to rewind. Sure. You guys are friends. You're both working in Alt Weekly. Yeah. How do you find out that both of you are weed people? <laughs> well, I guess, well, actually, so Rachel worked at Creative Loafing before I did. And she also worked at the door for uh, a music venue in town, The Earl. And we just kind of ran into each other there because I wrote a lot about music. So she was always checking me off that list. And yeah. So- I think it's also kind of like pretty easy to spot another girl who smokes weed, especially in your office. You're like, all right, she seems pretty cool. Like, <laughs> It's not that hard to figure out. What made you think that there was a lack of a representation of women in the uh, weed media space? Well, I felt like whenever we started doing it, which was uh, April- A year ago. 20th, yeah, a year ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. last year. Uh, that- For the most part, even just if you look at head shops, you know, especially in a state like Georgia where marijuana is still illegal and it just seems like so deeply like Bob Marley, like black velvet posters, like very masculine vibes, like, you know, posters with like women with like weed leaves over their boobs and stuff. It's just like not very friendly to women. And I knew so many women that dressed themselves well, decorated their apartments well, were into aesthetic, like, you know, light bath bombs and shit like that. And it was just kind of, and they loved weed. And I felt like there was a group of people who would be appreciative for a space like that. They wanted, they wanted to be able to get high and not have it be a dude thing. Not like my boyfriend always buys my weed for me. It's like, I buy my weed for me and I pack it in my cute ass <laughs> bowl and I hang out with my girlfriends and whatever. As you started to like get submissions for it, like, wh- like what were you looking for and people writing for it? Well, the first one that we did, we pulled together in like maybe two and a half weeks because yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about it one night over drinks and we were like, oh shit, it's April 20th soon. We should try to finish by then. So the first one was kind of just 
thrown together. We asked a lot of our friends, women and non-binary people that we knew who wanted to, like that were interested in marijuana culture that smoked weed and wrote or made art that we liked. And so we just kind of pulled that one together. But for the second and the third issues, we were a little bit more thoughtful in our curation. Yeah. And this time too, we got a little bit more bold in terms of like reaching out to people that we don't actually know in real life or even know on Twitter or something. And just being like, hey, I like your work and I have a feeling that you might be into this sort of thing based on the stuff that you post online. So um, and we had pretty good reception to that. Yeah, that's a that's been a challenge for me in doing this show and that there's people I'd like to have on the show who I think that there's a very good chance that they smoke weed. But I both don't know whether they actually do and I don't know how receptive they would be to being public about it. So have you had any have people had any concerns about like, yeah, I smoke weed, but like, I don't know if I want to be like published in this dope girl scene. Totally. Uh, You know, that was more of a concern with the first one, I think, because we were reaching out more to friends of ours. Like, for example, in the first scene, I had two friends that were up for PhDs at Emory. And that's a pretty like tough school and scary, intense programs. And so they didn't want to be public with that. But I think like, at least my experience with working with writers has been people are okay being public about it. But like you said, I'm not even sure that they smoke. But in my experience, most people are at least like, will hit the J if you hand it to them. They maybe are not like, you know, leaning out of the shower to burn a bowl or anything like that. But they can consider that kind of part of, you know, not necessarily their identity, but something that they would partake in. And so I think that that was sort of what kind of at least empowered me to reach out to some of my favorite writers to ask them if they would want to be part of it. But um hasn't been too big of an issue. We do definitely like try to not post people's last names online. Oh, really? Um, yeah, ask. we'll double check with them. Like sometimes I'll even triple check. I'm like, are you sure you want your last name online? You're not going to run for office anytime. Yeah, like one of the contributors for the past scene, uh, she wrote a piece about vacations, like um, going little stoned solo vacations and it was amazing and she was super down for me publishing it in print but not really boosting her last name just in case that ends up being a thing because unfortunately you know only x amount of our contributors lived in states where it's legal like california or oregon a lot of them live in georgia or new york and right it's not quite the same and you live in georgia and you've both outed yourselves and possibly even seo'd that um through this project so tell me about how that feels for you I feel like I am personally very open online. I've had a live journal, you know, back in the day. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this is nothing compared to live journal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't really see anything wrong with smoking weed. And I, you know, I don't feel like that's going to hurt my career or my possibility of getting hired anywhere because my career has just been solely in writing, mostly in journalism and some in the marketing field. And that's never been held against me. But I mean, that being said, I don't think that companies that would hold that against me would necessarily be interested in hiring me already. So. Right. How do you think Atlanta is as a weed city? What's the vibe? Well, I mean, obviously one of our largest exports is hip hop, primarily trap music. And so, I mean, within that culture, you know, weed is everywhere. You know, the weed culture in the city of Atlanta, I think it's pretty dense. Like we have uh, release parties whenever we drop a new volume and those get pretty packed out and people are down. And I feel like it's not it's not that abnormal for me to step out onto my porch and like smell weed. It's pretty it's pretty chill, but I mean, there's also um, some local legislation that is underway right now. Currently, the penalty for being caught with, um, I think it's an 
ounce or less is a grand or up to six months in jail. And they're going to uh, take this up for debate again. I think Kwanzaa Hall, a council member here, is leading this possible law change that would decrease the penalization to just $75 fine. It's pretty crazy, though. Like, my long game is, like, that weed will eventually be legal in the whole United States of America, but Georgia might only legalize it if um, the Supreme Court says we have to. Tell me about what kinds of stories have been of interest to you relating to women and weed. I mean, when I flipped through, I was just flipping through the PDF, and I was struck by how many of the stories in the zine have to do with relationships, not necessarily all romantic relationships, like different kinds of human relationships around weed. It seems to be a recurring theme. One of the things that I really like um, story-wise is kind of I always like to hear about female camaraderie around marijuana because I think that so many women I talk to, their early experiences with it are just with like, I'm hanging out with these neighborhood boys or like there's this cute like skater dude or whatever. There's like a very masculine vibe to it. So I kind of like the idea of women calling to their own femininity and embracing that as part of like kind of a ritual that they can share together. That's something that I like, but I also just like to hear how people can use it in constructive ways to their life that doesn't make it a crutch. Like um, Sophie St. Thomas wrote a piece about how marijuana like helped her get sober. Like she stopped drinking and using pills because she was turning to weed instead. Um, Tasbia Hurwies talked about how she used it to deal with her grandfather's death in civil war. Like, you know, there's a lot of different ways that women use it either to relax, like Ashley wrote in her piece on vacations, or to connect with other women, like I wrote in a piece in volume two, I think. And so I think it's just interesting to see the whole scope of everything and how it can kind of connect to this like little benign plant that for some reason our country is still fucking freaking out over. (laughs) Yeah, I think also too, like the just a lot of the stories centering around relationships, I think that has a lot to do with the politics because weed is still such a personal thing that you have to do almost in secret in a lot of places. And there, there's a reason why we don't have like some like woman CEO of some crazy like weed business, like talking about her experiences because like those people don't really exist, especially in the Southeast. Yeah, it's definitely more ra- rare in the Southeast. And um, people do kind of have to keep their cards close to their chest in that situation. I think, you know, not just for like professional reasons, but also for family reasons. Like in volume two, we had a a woman who's a mother talk about how she used edibles in the first trimester of her pregnancy. And she didn't want to use her name because, you know, she might be getting all sorts of hellfire. Like who knows what she's inviting into that because we're still so new, even though weed and smoking weed is ancient. Like people have been doing it forever. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like the different regional conceptions of sort of what a woman should be like interact differently with being someone who uses marijuana. I had never really thought of, I guess I don't think that much about the Southeast, which is probably my own blindness. Well, first of Um, all, get your shit together. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I know what you mean. And it's funny because when you started saying that both Rachel and I like started tipping our heads. Um, But I mean, I think that, you know, there is an idea of femininity. It's not necessarily just like restrained to the Southeast, I think it can span the entire nation just depending on different pockets. But just looking at how 
even what you just said, like, don't think you don't think that much about the Southeast. Like a lot of people yeah. don't or people have kind of antiquated racist, bigoted sort of ideas of what's going on down here. And I think that that can even like trickle down in some situations to places just outside of the city of Atlanta. Like it doesn't take long to get back into those pockets where there's Trump signs littering everywhere. You know, there's still a lot of people who feel differently than we do. Absolutely. In terms of that female camaraderie, uh, that runs across it. Like, what was the first time you both started smoking weed? Um, well, I started smoking weed when I was 14. And um, I had a group of friends in high school. Where, where are we now? Uh, we are in Arlington, Virginia. And I was going <laughs> to a, a hippie <laughs> high school that's a public school. And um, I, I, we had an open campus, so it was really easy for me to sneak off and skip a class or like once a week and smoke weed or whatever. But it like all of my best friends smoked weed and it was a huge part of my identity as a high schooler. Definitely. Yeah. I think that I had sort of a similar experience in that I was kind of running with that crowd as well. Like going to a lot of concerts, like, you know, trying to worm my way into the college radio station, even though I was in high school and, you know, just kind of being super all with a pyramid belt. And like, uh, so I started smoking weed when I was 15 and it was kind of more of a boys club thing there. I don't think I started bonding with other women over it until I got into college. And then I started making friends with other women who smoked weed and we would just kind of like do it all girls and like, you know, do our makeup together and then, but also like go out and do other things to not make it super hyper feminine. But I think that whenever I finally could claim it as a, an activity that could be just mine or outside of like the male scope, that was pretty empowering. As you got older, do you feel like your primary like weed relationships were with other women or like with like men? Like I'm, I'm curious over time, like how people sort of identify who their like weed circle of people is. Um, well, I feel like I'm coming out. I don't actually smoke weed anymore. And Interesting. <laughs> that was, um, that was, it was funny because when Becca approached me about doing the zine, yeah. I had like just made that decision to stop. And I, I do think that like a lot of my f- new friendships, I was pretty new to Atlanta. I was really new to my job. Yeah. And so a lot of my kind of new friendships that I've made here don't revolve around weed, which has been like a very new like kind of identity experience for me. You've re-envisioned yourself completely. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm sure that like I'll smoke again at some point in my life, but... Is it strange doing this project and being like really immersed in like weed, 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 weed? Well, Rachel came over to my house for a weed dinner a while ago, <laughs> so she she's not anti-edibles. She freaked out. I totally freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds um, like kind of an intense dinner party. It, yeah, it's, it's something that you should know going into it, but... I was super hungry, and it was Indian food, which is one of my favorite cuisines, Ooh. and like... Wow. I mean, everything tasted so good. By the time I got to the ice cream, I almost cried because I was already too stoned to eat any <laughs> ice cream, but it looked so good. <laughs> it was good. It's How many people were at this dinner party? Uh, I have them about once a month. It's about 10 to 12 people or so. Wow. But um, yeah. You're the first person I've heard of doing like weed eating things that isn't like in some sort of LA, like doing a reality show about it. You're the first like in the wild sighting I've ever uh, heard doing that. <laughs> so like I ha- I'm just because I'm curious, like for me, I'm always kind of like, what is the like allure of like the cooking? Like I understand the like edibles part of it, but right. like sort of 
hiding it within a delicious series of meals. Like, what is the interaction (laughs) between them? I mean, I don't make them. I hire a woman here who uh, is a total badass, like classically trained chef. She started using weed, like infusing weed in her food when she was cooking for cancer patients and other people who need it for medical reasons. And I connected with her over a story that I was assigning back at the paper a little while ago. And when we're, she came out to one of the zine release parties and we met and she, you know, I just wanted to, I don't, it sounds very dumb, but the idea of having dinner parties seemed like such a grown up thing. It doesn't sound dumb. It sounds delightful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, so I bought a house a year ago. I'm about to turn 30 and it just seemed kind of nice to like have my friends over and serve them actually well-made food, not like some bullshit, like, you know, quinoa that I made before you, just before you came here, like a tubs of hummus potluck style. So I was like, you know, let's step it up though. Let's put some weed in there. And so that's Different kinda, people each time or like same crew? There's, there's some recurring characters, but I, I like to mix it up because I like one of my favorite things about having like kind of a wide network is putting people together. That's something that I love with dope rolls. And that's what I love doing with the dinners too, is being like, oh man, well, this person, you know, works in illustration for this company and this other person is developing a comic strip through Instagram. And I bet they could like totally fucking hit it off and like, you know, kind of collaborate or make friends or have something to talk about. Um, And I think that that's really special. And one of the things that I really like about the weed dinners, especially is because it kind of lowers inhibitions, not in the same way alcohol does. Because it's yeah. a little bit more introspective and it's a little bit more measured. And, you know, people get lit. Like, I'm the one who's back there, like, trying to, like, start, like, a weird bonfire after a couple <laughs> hours. So, like, I mean, outside, outside, by the way. It was the coolest experience I've ever had being too fucked up at a party because everybody <laughs> was so nice and understanding <laughs> and helpful and friendly about it. And they were all like, yeah, we're fucked up, too. It's going to be great. <laughs> Has it ever just, like, spun totally out of control? I always have my room is sort of like a quote-unquote safe space there's cats <laughs> around you can just pet them and try to like center like I know my worst experience was the day after actually the dinner that Rachel's talking about a friend of mine brought some cookies that uh he told me several times to only eat half he's about a foot and a hundred pounds tall like foot taller 100 pounds heavier than me and in the morning I woke up kind of hungover and I was like I'm going to eat this cookie and then I'll be okay. I won't be hungover. This is, I'm such a fucking genius. I ate the whole cookie. I went to outer space, Aaron. I <laughs> was like so freaked out. I just sat in my room trying to watch Wedding Planner and like get back to square one. So that was, that was a bad situation. But, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, the dinners are usually chill. Well, I want to come to one of these dinners. They sound awesome. Um, how do people get weed in Atlanta? I mean, I don't want you, I don't, don't, uh, don't be too specific, but like, what's the general culture? Well, New York is a delivery town. Yeah. So I moved here from New York, actually. I lived in Greenpoint for a number of years. Now I just kind of get weed through a couple different folks. I have a good buddy from middle school who always helps hook it up. And yeah, it's like, it's very heavy indica. That's, you know, gas that they talk about in the rap music. Um, that's what that means. And that's pretty heavily what you get here. Uh, I've been to the, the West Coast a couple of times already this year, and it's just like astounding the difference in variety that you can access. And here you kind of just get what yeah. you can get. It, you kind of have to go pick it up. Nobody's ever done delivery service here. I definitely miss like the anonymity transactional nature of it in New York where you're just like, here's my money. Please leave and my the apartment. the laziness of it. 
Oh, yeah. That's what you want, man. Where does Dope Girls go from here? What What's next? We're working on volume four. We just had a meeting about it last week, and we're kind of developing the theme and trying to develop a list of writers and artists that we want to reach out to. We want to continue growing it. We have already raised the last zine on the release night. We raised $1,200 mm-hmm. just on that night alone, not counting pre-orders or anything like that. Like overall, how much is we, we raised? Well, we raised $1,200 in profits. So and that's profits, not, yeah, so we profits. paid ourselves like, so every zine so far we've paid out of pocket and print is exorbitantly expensive. So yeah, um, it doesn't, it does not seem like easy economics, especially <laughs> once you like ship all that stuff. Yeah. We're currently Definitely. in the market for an investor. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're, we're going to try something new this time around. We're going to really kind of push the pre-order and try to get um, as many people to pre-order it like a month ahead of time. So that way we know how many to print and that way we have that money up front. Yeah. And well, we're looking to do some more like communal events as well. In Atlanta in September, we're going to be doing a collaboration group show with this DIY art space called Art Party. Uh, where we're inviting 10 artists, um, all women, female-identifying folks who are coming through and putting up pieces in, I think we can say the theme, which is erect. And we're really excited about this theme. Super excited. And so Wait, explain, we're going to be... Explain, explain the theme. <laughs> I mean, you. Ex- what do you think it means? Because what does it mean to you, Erin? No, Becca has a good way of explaining it. Okay. All right. Well, so I was just thinking about the idea of like, we it was uh, we're still like pretty upset over Trump getting elected, and there's been a really heated election going on um, in the sixth district that unfortunately just ended in the bad way today. But um, we were kind of thinking about like rising up combined with reflection, and um, erect seemed kind of tongue in cheek. And, um, but we liked that aspect of it. Yeah. Okay. It, it's a little bit you, more exciting. I mean, it could have been like, it's the like erotic weed art show that also could have been what, well, erect, like, you know, stay tuned to. for volume four, but, uh, you know, we, I mean, yeah. So it's kind of what Rachel was saying. And then also just like erecting like, as well as kind of like building up a new sense of self or new, new energy, new projects, like new battles to kind of create the community that we want, because we never set out to have this be a political sort of project, but I think that we have all ended up surprising ourselves with how political we've gotten since November. Where can people who want to find that slash pre-order it find it? Dopegirlszine.org. We have a new website coming soon, hopefully within the next month. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have extra merch on there too, including t-shirts and koozies. And we should have some more matchbooks soon too, maybe. Um, okay, at the end of the show, I do a little segment called Peak Experiences. Experience. Sam set of questions I ask everyone. Are you guys up for it? <laughs> sure. The first question I'm going to throw to Becca. What is your favorite way to smoke weed? Like just, uh, you know, night to yourself, like your your own ritual. What is what is your ideal, ideal manner? Laying in my bathtub, smoking out of a bowl. Not a joint person. I like joints, but okay. So listen, Aaron, this has been my summer goal for like four summers running to learn how yeah. to roll a joint. And it just doesn't work. My really? dumb little fingers. I can't do it. Like it looks very cool to me, but it just about, doesn't work. Have you have you like humbled yourself with a YouTube video? I gotta go that way. I've been asking people to help me. Is like, your pride it out. getting in your way? I mean, that's the story of my life. But I just, you know, I I buy these cute bowls. I just got a cute one from a Miwok Junior. It's like a little pebble sort of thing. You pack it in there. It's cute. You're good to go. 
How do you, you, what is your secret with rolling a joint? A man taught me when I was in college, he was a charismatic man who was popular with women. And he taught me two things that were of value to me. He taught me how to roll a joint and he taught me how to open a beer with a lighter. And both of those, you could say that's a pretty broy story, but um, both of those things have been like very valuable to be in the course of my life since. I can open her, I can open a beer with a lighter and I can say that's a very like legit important skill to learn. It is good. Everybody should do that too. It's yeah. just, it's kind of like driving. It's kind of bad if you can't. Yeah. It's not so good that you can, but you know, you're a little bit of a drag if you don't know how to drive. Yeah, it's true. Uh, okay. Second question. Uh, I'm going to throw this one to, uh, to Rachel. Okay. Tell me one place that you visited uh, that was memorable to you. Um, probably the first time I went to San Diego. Mm. And uh, it was like the first stop. I was on tour. It was our first stop in California. She used to and, be in a band. She um, didn't say that. What's we, your band called? Uh, I'm not in a band anymore. At the time, I was in a band called Maybe Baby. And we were 18 years old. And the girl who had booked the show hadn't confirmed that we were above 21. So we had to hang out in our... Um, minivan outside of the club the entire time and i don't know something about that trip in san diego it was like it's pretty cool i don't know yeah i mean that's a, that's a real like san diego is really a place i associate people being like on tour in a van like, <laughs> <laughs> um becca to you one memorable stone viewing experience movie or tv something that you would ha that you had a, a great experience watching okay i think of like a bad one the uh good bad spectrum is to your own liking i just remember being super ripped in high school and somebody put on fight club <laughs> and that's the only time i've ever seen that movie <clears throat> and brad wow that kept intense. showing up yeah he kept showing up places and i was like what the fuck and i was like if it happens two more times i'm gonna say something I'm like I got it. Something's going on. I don't know. So that was that was pretty intense. That was pretty bad. Um, but I mean, I guess like good viewing experience. I saw Wonder Woman stoned at the drive-in recently. That was pretty good. Yeah. Well, kind of tell me about the drive-in. Is this like the speakers in the car? There's speakers in the car, but I went with a decent crew, and I have a pretty small sedan. So we just like brought out these little camping chairs and kind of sat out and ate some weird nachos from the bar and hit my little vape pen and. It was pretty good. Uh, Rachel, favorite snack? Uh, goldfish. <laughs> Bold. The end. <laughs> classic, just classic goldfish. Uh, yeah, I just like things with salt on it and cheese. Wise woman. I like fake cheese. So, what is your favorite snack, Aaron? Uh, I think my favorite snack is a crisp snap pea. You're so fucking. Well, now healthy. you made me look really unhealthy. Yeah, you're so California. Come but on. But come on, they're like they're they're almost sugary if you get like a really ripe snap pea. Okay, I can okay. see that. Becca, you got one album to play in the background for for the rest of your life. One album you you're gonna keep coming back to for your life. Oh God. Tough question, I know. Yeah, that's really hard. Um. But what is just some an album that's like been a part of your life for a long time? Um. I've always loved Pavement Wowie Zowie, but I've been so hard on rap since I moved back to Atlanta. I would say probably like maybe like Ghostface Supreme Clientele. Is it really fun like listening to rap right now? Like, oh my God. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like, I'm a basketball fan and I'm. Oh, me too. And the Warriors are playing right now. And oh, it's sure. like. I'm living in like the greatest times. I'm living in the best yeah. times. Yeah. You. If you like rap music, it's are living great. in the best times. 
<laughs> it will never be this good again. I mean, let's not say that, Aaron. Let's not get too hasty. But I, you know, even just the past month or so, like Friday, two chains, Young Thug dropped. Before that, it was Lil Yachty and like, oh, fuck, I can't remember. Gucci, same day too. And so that was really amazing. And there's just been so much good rap this year. And like, Two Chains as a restaurant, literally in Maya Rachel's neighborhood. Like he was sitting back there when I turned 29 and I was having a drink at the bar. Like that's pretty special. You go to a Hawks game, like Migos rolls out. What the fuck? <laughs> um, what's one thing um, you're both looking forward to coming up? I'm excited about the next issue. Like I feel like we ended up getting a lot of people for volume three that I really did not think that we would be able to get because of unfortunately this like enraged political climate because Planned Parenthood is under fire right now, specifically in the Southeast. It's like extra scary if you're a young woman, you know, if you're a person who has an unplanned pregnancy and trying to find the help that you need. And Planned Parenthood is a crucial resource that has helped both myself and the other woman, Katie Campbell, who helps us with this project as well. And so I think that, you know, that actually works a little bit in our favor for recruiting some of our favorite writers and artists to be part of this project and help promote the message that not only like, you know, cool, yeah, marijuana should be destigmatized. It's totally a woman's thing. That's cool too. But like also finding reproductive justice and finding uh, sort of access and resources for these important institutions for women. Well, um, I encourage everyone to check it out. Thank you both very much for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting yeah, us. Thanks for having us. And that was another week of Stoner. This week's episode was edited by Courtney Harrell. Uh, all of our visual branding is done by Mickey Duje. I'm Aaron Lammer, your host. Um, I've been talking to a few people about sponsoring this show. Um, it's something that helps me pay the editor, and I'm um, working with someone on some booking and producing stuff now. So if you're interested in sponsoring the show, we have a fantastic and growing audience. Get in touch. Hi, H-I, at stoner.co. See you next Tuesday.